Hello and welcome to the I Am Still Learning podcast brought to you by CRED. My name is Ronan McDonnell. I'm the founder and CEO of CRED. At CRED, we're asking the following questions. What if you could create three new habits? The habit of learning, the habit of mental health and well-being, and the habit of giving. What then if you could look back at the end of your life and see the legacy and the impact you created? Our purpose is to enable today's actions to impact tomorrow's world. To learn more, please visit our website, cred.global. actually say that to yourself or say that sentence you know why can't we get water to people that need it and then you actually just kind of let that land it almost sounds farcical that mm. that's an actual question we have to ask ourselves in, in what i think and then same as like if you look at things like you know equal pay for women or equality across the board why are we still asking ourselves these questions i tried to ring the un i don't know if you know but you can't actually ring the un <laughs> My guest on today's episode is Mick Hayes. From starting his leadership career at Domino's Pizza, Mick moved into consulting, set up his own consulting business, Dice Consulting, where he helps companies in three key areas, strategy, culture, and leadership development. A few life-changing events made Mick take the bull by the horns, as he says himself, and he started saying yes to things. This leap of faith has seen Mick start Sip for Sip Coffee. Sip for Sip is using amazing coffee to impact the world's water crisis by donating water every time they sell coffee. For every week's supply of coffee they sell, they can donate a week's water supply to an area in need around the world. He also became a facilitator with mental health organization Living.org, where he shares his own experience of mental health, stress, and anxiety. And his biggest and boldest move, launching 17X, a movement that started with an idea for a single event based on supporting the United Nations Global Goals for Sustainable Development and ended up in an Australia-wide tour in 2019. On today's podcast, Mick talks about how a focus of helping others can be game-changing. When you're motivated by a purpose bigger than yourself, he calls BS on a number of issues that he feels we shouldn't be talking about now. And he also talks about freedom as a definition of success in life. Mick, welcome to Cred's I'm Still Learning podcast, and thank you for joining me today. Mate, it's terrific to be here, and um, yeah, thank you for inviting me. Mick, I invite my guests to transport us to a place that's pretty special for them, for us to have this conversation. Is there anywhere in the world where you'd like us to go and have this conversation? Yeah, so I think it's an interesting concept to do that. There's a few places. There's this island that I've ventured to it's it used to be a secret but it's no longer a secret so it's okay if i talk about it on podcast it's off gladstone about 70 k's out to sea called northwest island and i've holidayed out there every couple of years since i was a kid and there's nothing on the island at all you have to take all of your camping and survival gear water food the whole lot there's nothing on the island and you stay out there for two weeks at a time national parks drop you off on a barge and with all your stuff 
and barrels of water, you are completely isolated. And it's on the Great Barrier Reef, so there's lots of fishing, camping. And as we got older, you know, a few tasty beers on the beach, cocktail hour on sunsets and lots of snorkeling and diving and absolutely cut off from the world. So how about we head over there and take this digital journey to a place that um, commonly doesn't have any reception. <laughs> I like it, mate. You said you've been going there since you were a kid and you've described yeah. it reason. So apart from the isolation, why is it so special for you? Well, you know, it was a family thing to start with. I think the first time I went there, I was 11. And we always take big groups. So anywhere from 20, we did one year, we had 50 of us. So lots of families, you could imagine, lots of kids and lots of adults, everyone having fun. Yeah, special, I think, because it's growing up, we were a camping family and my parents were the type of people that wouldn't really like to do too much of the same thing more than once or twice. So we, ne- we weren't the family that had the same campsite in the same camping place for the 35 years. We always ventured to different places, but Northwest was one that we always went back to because it's just magic. And you are, you are literally on your own. And we've been out there where some pretty life-changing storms have come through and you have to kind of deal with it. So a lot of just good Aussie family fun, I guess. Nice. Yeah. And I, I'm now a father, so I want to take my kids over there too. So. And you mentioned there, Mick, it was a secret, but now it's not a secret. How do you feel yeah, about it? No, it's <laughs> not a secret anymore. It used to be used to be great. Like you could get over there and it was literally just, I think they have 150 campsites maximum. So there might be your group and maybe two or three other groups there. And that was about it. You never really saw anyone else. But in the last probably 10 or 15 years, you know, with growth being what it is, um, more and more people knowing about it, we're getting out, you know, a lot more people venture out there now on their own in a boat. Like we've driven boats out there on our own now. And I guess it's more accessible and um, more people know about it now. So whilst it's still capped in, in how many people can go there and it's very much looking after the nature side of things, you, you get lots more boats and kind of traffic coming around. And yeah, it's no longer a secret. So it's okay to talk about it. <laughs> Mate, what time of day are we having this conversation? You mentioned a few sundowners. Oh, oh. yeah. Well, well, considering you're Irish, how about we, and, and I'm an Aussie, let's have a beer at sunset on the beach. That sounds <laughs> you know, good. You can have a Guinness. Sounds good, Mick. And the beer's warm, by the way. There's no fridges back then. So we didn't have the gas fridges. So it was dry ice. You get two cold beers and the rest of them are warm after that. Oh, mate, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mick, love to hear about, I guess, your own personal journey. So you you, you're, you work with Dice Consulting and you're consulting for living.org and a really about sip for, for, sip for Sips. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, and... Um, and 17x. So, could you just tell a bit, share a bit about your own journey from, I guess, consultant into Sip for Sips and 17x? Yeah. So, I guess um, out of those three, I guess, jobs that I've got, the consulting stuff came first. Um, through my, I, I started my my work life in the Domino's pizza industry as an 18 year old uni student, and ended up working more at Domino's than I did going to class. So basically, um, I learned I learned from a really good business operator back then, who's still a mentor of mine today. Shout outs to John. I, I became a leader really quickly, um, and I learned I learned how to be great at leadership. And throughout my twenties and into my early thirties, I was in various roles working for other people, in, and I always seemed to gravitate into a management role. 
whether it was in sales or you know ops management or general management, and, and I kind of got there pretty quickly. So when I started to sniff around the idea of working for myself, the consulting stuff kind of came up pretty quickly where I had some old clients of a, uh, a business college I used to work for here on the Gold Coast. When I left, asked me to come and work for them and I was kind of like, oh, I'm not really keen on, on exploring that kind of position at the moment, but how about we just do some consulting and see what happens? And that was about 10 years ago. And that kind of just grew from there. So the consulting stuff definitely came first. I'm not a huge fan of the word business coach, but I guess that's kind of where I've ended up. But I definitely work with the smaller end of town. So my wheelhouse is strategy, culture development and leadership development, but really working with um, small business operators that started their business as a technician. So a barista behind a coffee machine, you know, a trainer in the training room, tradie on the tools, and then they're all of a sudden grown and they've employed some people and they're, they're either stuck still in the technician role or they're kind of like, oh shit, how do I lead a group of people? So my kind of consulting just really morphed into that space. So it's all been word of mouth and just slowly been growing on its own. So, and about two years ago, I decided to turn it into a fully fledged business just because I kind of didn't have a choice. I just had a lot going on and went, right, hey, let's just, let's just flick the switch on this and build a website and do all that stuff and made it a real business. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, look, the other stuff has just kind of come along off the back of that. Cause I mean, the consulting world for me at the moment does provide a bit of flexibility in time. It's very task driven. So, you know, I may spend two or three hours with someone on a, on a Monday afternoon, but that's, that might be it for that day. So you, obviously you get a lot of flexibility to look at different things and, I guess the entrepreneurial mindset has, has really started to flow for me um, off the back of a few challenges, both personal and professionally, that have made me go, right, let's just take a bull by its horn and start saying yes to things and see where we end up. And that's where Sip for Sip, 17X, and working with Living recently has, has kind of come from. They just say yes to things. <laughs> You said there's some, you know, personal and professional challenges. Can you can you share yeah. some of those? Yeah, sure. So I won't name the business model just purely for their brand, but I, I was involved in a brand in a franchise group for a little while through my early 30s, and um, it ended up being a, a business model that was completely removed from from what I personally wanted to achieve. So you know, the the core intention of that business model was nowhere near what I wanted to do you know, moving forward. So I was in this, I was kind of in this business model that had nothing to do with me personally. And I was, I felt a little bit stuck in that. And that created a lot of stress and kind of the ups and downs of trying to move out of a business model that you really don't want to be in. And that caused a few financial, you know, headaches at the same time, because I kind of took a bit of a kick just so I could get out of it. So the professional kind of stepped down there. Personally, you know, becoming a dad, having the ups and downs of trying to run businesses and and have babies at home and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my wife had some health challenges around the similar time. And so we were, you know, just a young family trying to, I guess I probably looked a bit like a duck, like a typical Aussie male, not really letting everyone know about what was going on, looking pretty slick on top, but the feet under the water were paddling pretty quickly. So I had my own challenges with some mental health that I talk about through living now with some anxiety and stress related stuff that just kind of took me out of the game for a little while. And that's kind of also spurred me on to say to myself, you know, let's just take the future by the horns and make shit happen, basically. So that's where I'm at with three different plates in the air with Sip to Sip and 17X and 
trying to do a whole bunch of different things at the same time. <laughs> and, you, and you said, um, you started saying yes to things. Yeah. Can you, can you share a bit more about the moment when you've got a lot going on there, obviously, personally, professionally, mm. in terms of uh, some challenges with your wife's health and, you know, some stress and anxiety yeah, issues as well. Sure. Yeah. Can you share a bit more about, because you had a choice. You could have decided just to, I guess, play the safe game, but why say yes and double down even maybe in a more challenging area? Yeah, I've, I've kind of been thinking about that a bit lately. I think it's a combination of two things. Um, is one, it's just this, my person, personally, I'm just a competitive guy. So I think there's me being competitive and having an official L, you know, a loss on my on my scorecard that I, I now I'm like, well, you know, screw you. I want to turn that loss into some really major wins and use it as a motivator. And certainly off the back of that loss, I've had some people both close and, and not so close to me really use that as almost weaponry and, you know, kind of the haters are going to hate no matter what kind of thing. But whilst I've never really let that get too close to me, there's at least a bit of competitiveness to go, right, oh, well, screw you world, I'm going to come back and make, make some really cool shit happen. And then the other thing was I've always been a bit of an ideas guy. I'm a creator by, by my personality style. I'm a big picture thinker. So I've, for a long time, I've always had lots of different ideas. And I've, whether it's through sheer laziness or too busy doing other things like working on, you know, a job or whatever, I, I wasn't making them happen. And so I kind of looked at myself about a year ago and went, look, you have all these great ideas. Why don't you just say yes to some of them and see where you end up? Start saying yes to things that, not necessarily outside of my comfort zone, but things that I wouldn't normally do, even down to little things like networking and, you know, getting out and meeting people. Because um, I work from home in, in a little office out the back of Tweed Heads and I don't see anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, um, just saying yes to, to, to doing things and saying, well, if you want to have a great idea and, and you want to make a difference in the world, you actually have to get out there and make shit happen. So probably drinking some of my own Kool-Aid from what I coach to my, yeah. um, my clients. And can you share about what the experience was like sharing your own journey of, of mental health and, and some of the challenges? Because, it, you know, it can be a taboo topic. So yeah. the first time you shared, can you talk us through what that felt like? Yeah, it was with Living, living Group. So recently, about three or four months ago, I noticed the Living guys who are based here on the Gold Coast were um, looking for facilitators to, to run through their program in schools and workplaces and, and such. And I, I've loved what they do for a long time. I've followed them on, if anyone isn't following Living or are, you want to check them out on, like their the stuff that they share, particularly through their socials and Insta, really powerful messages. And so I've always been a fan of what they do. I grew up with a psychologist as a dad. So the idea of mental health and whatnot has always been at least in our space. And yeah, and I joined in with those guys and was lucky enough to get invited to a training day for them. I guess, see if I'd cut the mustard and become a facilitator. And um, I had to tell a little bit of my story through video to, to start with to them, which was a little less confronting. Um, but then also to the, the, the fellow trainees in the room here on the Gold Coast on the, at the time. And I've never really gotten nervous with public speaking, um, but I, I certainly felt a little bit nervous, but it was almost liberating. You know, you, you, I think from a mental health perspective, I guess from my experience, things like anxiety and stress, particularly as a, an invincible young man, you know, that I and saw myself as letting yourself talk about it to a bunch of strangers is uh, is almost therapeutic in its own way. So, 
yeah, it was uh, it was really great. And now I do that on a weekly basis in front of anywhere from 20 to 400 people, <laughs> school students and workplaces and tell my story and, hey, this is what it is. And, yeah, we're all doing it. So let's talk about it. Good on you, Mick. And, you know, really appreciate you sharing your own personal experience there. And can I ask, you know, did you have any fears about, you know, putting it out there? Because, you know, once it's out there, you, you know, you can't take it back. Did that Was that top of mind at any stage? Um, yeah, I... To be, to be blatantly honest, I'd say I didn't have any fear around it because I think I had enough time to to kind of um, acknowledge and be okay with it um, through chatting. You know, I had my dramas with anxiety and stress and a little bit of words like post-traumatic stress came up because through not my wife having a pretty serious illness when we had a baby, she's okay now, by the way, and a few other traumatic things that happened. So... I had some time through some therapy to, to actually talk it out. So when I when I talk about it now with people, there's not so much fear, but it's it's kind of like you, you're swimming in a bit of water that doesn't kind of feel like it's water, where you go, this doesn't feel as normal or as comfortable as as it should, uh, but it's not necessarily fear. So I can I can relate to people that may be really scared about talking to people because the fear of judgment obviously jumps in and words like stigma come up, but. It's, it's very, as someone particularly that, say, in the coaching space where part of my job is to help people through their problems, but obviously most of the time they're professional problems, but then to be on the other, other kind of side of the, the street and start talking about your own dramas or what, you, you know, what you're dealing with can kind of feel a bit weird and counterintuitive to me. Once you do it, it's, just, it's like jumping off a cliff into deep water. You, you're scared for a while, but then you jump over and you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. So. <laughs> You keep, you keep saying, yeah, it does. No, thank you. No, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And Mick, cred is the, the word, the Irish word for believe. So can you share a, bo- a bit more about how you've had that, I guess, sense of self-belief to keep going when there's been some tough times or you know, when there's maybe some doubts about keeping saying yes to things? Can, can you share a bit yeah, about that? Um, I'd, I'd put a part of it down to my parents. You know, grew up with a psychologist as a dad, a nurse as a mom both very hardworking. I think dad worked two or three jobs most of his life as an academic and a psychologist and, and my mum as well. You know, very hardworking uh, people but also uh, kept myself and my sister pretty grounded and made sure that we understood the idea of even doing things like jobs on the weekend because we wanted to get a result. You know, we kind of just got to make it happen. But then the other side of it is also coming out of, you know, some ups and downs and being in things like a business that I didn't want to be a part of anymore was just like, well, you got no other choice. So, you know, for me, I had no other choice. It was at the time it was like, well, I can, I can go and work for someone and lick my wounds or I can just say, all right, hey, there's a learning opportunity. Let's move forward and, and make it happen. So there's a bit of that competitive drive coming back, I guess, but also just the idea of, of, you know, my, my vision and, and what I'm working towards now is really less about me and it's more about other people. And that that's actually groundbreaking in itself and the motivation to go and make shit happen and work long hours when you need to, when it's not necessarily just about yourself, um, is really interesting. Can you tell me a more, bit more about that? Because when you, you put the focus on others, as you say, it's yeah. liberating. Yeah, well, I think for me, it's not so much about putting my focus into one particular person or one particular area, but it's just this idea of, and I'm still learning how to do this and learning how and where you can 
turn it into an actual sustainable business model that is socially, you know, making a difference, but also, you know, and purpose driven, but there's also a sustainable business model. But for me, it's just about looking at how can we create a relationship between a business like well, myself and a business that I'm involved with that creates immense value either in the world or in a community or in a group of people. So yeah, it's, and it's really interesting to see where your motivation can come from when you're not focused just on what am I going to get out of this? And I guess that's where you kind of sit and, and why I really enjoy the coaching side of stuff is because it's definitely never about me. It's always about what's happening for someone else. And it gives you that real sense of fulfillment. So working into these other models that I'm kind of having some fun with is definitely about that outward kind of focus of, you know, how can we create a business that creates impact in the world at the same time? It's a fascinating kind of experience to be in when you're not so much focused on yourself and you're focusing on other people. You made a great point a moment ago, Vic. You said, you know, starting something where you don't know the ideal business model or the framework, how do you start something or continue to go when you don't know the outcome? Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's that's a tricky one because I, that's what I did with 17X, right? So I kind of just did it and just said, all right, let's just see where this ends up. And that was literally the statement. And, I, and, and particularly as someone that's really, like, I'm really data-driven. A lot of my coaching is around, you know, the numbers tell the story. We need to assess the numbers and really look how we can use data to make logical decisions so that we're not always making decisions in business based on our emotions. And so I went through the 17X tour for the whole year, not doing any of that. I didn't measure any data. I didn't review any of the events. I didn't do any feedback forms with any of the, the audiences. I just let it happen with this idea of let's just see what happens and take kind of take your hands off the steering wheel. <laughs> and I guess anyone in any startup space would, would go, that's freaking insane. Like you have to have some kind of goal and objective for what you're trying to achieve. And I think this is where the objective of trying to create value for other people, it didn't really matter what I was trying to achieve as long as the people that we were connecting with out there in each city was, we're getting some great value from it. Um, and lo and behold, you know, we've, we've had a bit of success with that. So. I guess the, the the mantra, you know, the Nike mantra of just do it kind of thing of just just instead of looking at why it won't work, let's just have a stab at why it will work and then let the let the chips fall where they are and I guess spot fire as you go. <laughs> How did you trust yourself, Mick? Because there's obviously there's moments where you're going, I'm a I'm a data driven guy and I'm yeah, gonna put yeah. put this out. When there was times where you started to doubt yourself, how did you how did you keep going then? I've been, been wondering whether I have a, a healthy or unhealthy combination of self-belief and arrogance <laughs> where it's just like, well, I can actually do this. So if anyone wants to tell me I can't, then I don't really care um, because I can, you know, it's not that hard, right? So it's, it's kind of that mentality. I'm really task-driven. My my whole, the, the way I produce results is I write a list and I get it done. If I don't have a list of shit to do, I'm surfing or I'm, I'm bludgeoned. You know, I need a list and I need some tasks. I need deadlines. I'm the guy that finished his university exams and assignments the day, like the night before at nine o'clock when they were due at 9.30 kind of thing. I was that guy. Please get degrees all the way for me at the university. You know, last minute, just get it done under the pump. Use, use those tight deadlines. And particularly with that 17X experience, you know, running events for me is just, it's just a task list with a, 
with a deadline. And so I had people going, you're crazy or, you know, don't do events, they're shit. Events are just going to drive you nuts. Uh, you're going to lose heaps of money. No one will turn up. No one knows who you are. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I beg to differ because I, I guess I'm seeing something completely different to what they are. I just see a task list and a, an opportunity to make it happen. So there's, I guess there's self-belief in just doing it my way rather than someone else's. Maybe that's the answer. Um, and what about because this space like social impact it's, it's not the sexy space you know, no, <laughs> you know no, so like not. and your your friends are telling you you're crazy <laughs> you don't have the data to support you mm. so like and i think there's a theme coming up here about you know competition that's <laughs> come up there a few times in what you've said yeah so, so who, who are you competing against who am i proving wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> who am i competing against yeah probably myself i'm competing against that big lot you know the loss that i had recently and i'm competing against me wanting to have that, you know, quote unquote success, whatever that bloody looks like. Yeah, I, I, I definitely say my ego's on the line here at some way or another. So certainly competing against myself. But I, I think also, particularly in this this move around, like you say, social enterprise and social, you know, social impact, it's not exactly that sexy. Um, however, I think it's getting sexier. And, and, you know, things like the SDGs are giving great frameworks and, and they're even down to just the fact that they're, the way they're coloured. You know, visually they're engaging um they give us a real they i think they bring a little bit of a kid out in us just the way that they're presented and they they allow us to like look at them in a little bit more of an informal way in some of these big global challenges and so i feel for me maybe there's i feel like i've got an opportunity to use my skill set to bring people over you know that are looking at these things and saying you know social social impact isn't my problem or it's too big or it's not sexy or i can't make money off it or whatever it's like, well, I'm going to go and do it, and then I'll show you how to, I'll show you how to follow me, kind of thing. Nice. Um, so I like the idea of being a leader, but I guess I'm trying not to allow that leadership be enveloped in my own ego. It's more about how can I lead people so that they can go and create their own stuff, and that's what 17x is all about. I have one more question before we go on to yeah, Zipper Zipper and 17x. You said oh, success. What does that look like? So yeah. what does a successful look like, life look like to you, Mick? I reckon it's freedom and freedom in whatever way you, you see it, right? So, you know, freedom to be able to do what you want, when you want to do it and how you want to do it. Um, whether that's, you know, uh, I'm not necessarily saying that you need to be uber rich, but obviously money helps things happen. So there has to be some kind of monetary level to your success so that it gives you the opportunity to create bigger impacts and bigger things in the world. But I think just freedom to be able to make those decisions and make those connections. And, um, you know, I love the idea of, I saw Branson the other day in Brisbane, Saturday afternoon, and he talks about um, his ocean elders and he's, uh, he's got another one. I think it's just the elders and they're, they're all like ex-presidents or ex-leaders around the world. Uh, very, very key, you know, the, Nelson Mandela was a part of it at one stage. And for me, I, what I see inside of that is these, you know, hugely successful people that have created, you know, success in their own spaces, whether it's political or business, but they've got this, this huge influence that gives them, yeah, the freedom, but, but the opportunity to create change in the world. And if I can do that on a small scale, even just with my kids, then if everyone's doing a little bit of that and we're all kind of ocean elders together or elders together or carbon elders together, then, then we can tackle big, big challenges by chipping away at them on a smaller, 
on the smaller scale. So I guess that freedom to be able to do things like that rather than just saying, I just turn up to work nine to five and, and that's all I do. On that theme, do you have to be successful first to then create impact or can you create impact on the journey to being successful? Well, I reckon, I reckon you do it on the way. So that's a lot of, a lot of people have been saying to me, you know, they're like, don't you need to go, why don't you go make a heap of money first and then, and then go and, you know, give away some money or do it, you know, do your charity thing. Um, I actually had a crack at a charity a few years ago. So um, I can't remember what spurred me onto it. I think it was after Renee got sick. When, when she got better, I went, right, I've had this great idea and life's too short, let's just have a crack. So I set up this website called A Dollar A Week and the premise was a little bit out of B1Z1's book, was to crowdfund philanthropy through getting people to register a dollar a week. So we were, we were teamed up with 12 charities around the, around the world and around the country and I set to work on doing this thing from my office and the idea was you registered a direct debit of a dollar a week it turned out to be a dollar eleven, so that the PayPal got their cut, and um, and you got to choose which charity your dollar a week went to. And if we got a hundred thousand people going doing the same thing every week, then there's a hundred grand that we could spread out to all these great charities. And I had friends then saying to me, "What, what are you doing? Like, you know, you've got a business that you're supposed to be making money from. Why are you starting a charity? This is dumb." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, you might think it's dumb, but I think it's cool." So. <laughs> And, you know, I, and, and this is where I'm learning with um, definitely sip, like sip and sip to a point, but definitely with 17X is that particularly now, right, maybe five or six years ago it was a bit harder, but particularly now we can create businesses that are surrounded and driven by purpose and impact that can be sustainably financially, sorry, financially sustainable um, and have great economic benefit to you know the founders and the people that are employed but there's also an opportunity to create impact and the way the, the market's going it's in my i believe in 10 years time if you are not either sustainable in the way that you create your products if you are not creating some kind of cure in the world through connection to some kind of giving in the after effects so either a prevention or a cure model in your engagement with things like the sdgs or those kinds of problems climate change getting rid of plastic, equality, employing women in the workforce, you know, all of these these challenges that we're seeing right now. If you're not involved in that stuff in 10 years, you're going to be gone. The millennials won't let you do it. They're not going to let us get away with it. The generation behind me and the one behind them, if they're going to see right through the guys that are greenwashing or the guys that aren't doing it, and they won't touch them. It'll be the guys that are, that are making difference. You know, look at Patagonia and what they're doing in the world. It's anyone that's doing what they're kind of doing on a, even a smaller scale. The millennials, Greta Thunberg's proof, they're not going to let you get away with it. So it's definitely viable to create a business that's making money and making change at the same time. And I think to anyone that says that social enterprise has to give away all its money, well, I think that's a bit of bullshit too because you need to create profitable business models to be able to make profitable impact. So it goes, it goes hand in hand. That's a great point. I was actually at a conference in the US a couple of weeks ago and they talked about the definition of social entrepreneurship and they said it's a combination of masters of the universe meets the hippies and in the middle <laughs> <laughs> you've got to nice. you've got to have enough of a commercial model to create the impact. But yeah, if, yeah, yeah. Oh, which is a great definition. Um, mm. could you could you share just a bit more about Sip for Sip, Mick, and the the background and some of the impact that you are creating through Sip for Sip, please. Yeah, great. Sip for Sip was a, a project that I started when I was still in that other business that I wanted to get out of, and it was 
kind of killing me <laughs> emotionally. Um, and uh, basically, uh, the, it's kind of a funny story. The way it started was a friend of mine's a business broker and I was kind of sniffing around him saying, look, if you come across an online business, I really want to get in on an online business, give me a heads up. And then a couple of months later, he comes back to me with this tea business. I won't say what the brand name was, but it was one of those detox tea online businesses. And it was these two guys were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Again, I won't say the full number, but hundreds of thousands of dollars a year off a laptop selling tea all over the bloody world. And they never touched the product. It went from, you know, point A to point B to point C. And point C was a logistics company. So they never touched it. It was running off a laptop and making a heap of coin. And I was like, okay, this looks really interesting. I didn't end up buying that business because... I'm not a fan of telling people, hey, I've got a product here that's going to change your health. <laughs> I started looking into the whole idea of e-commerce. And um, so I originally then was uh, going to set up a, this is how my grandiose brain, I guess, goes a little bit too far. I was going to go into exercise protein powder and sell it into China off the back of all the powdered milk kind of thing that was happening yeah. back in the day. And then thanks to the powdered milk thing, it's now really hard to get uh, anything with a milk variant into China. So that was like, okay, that's not going to work. And then I ended up kind of building the online model and then just had to find a product. And I happened to coach a lady that owns three restaurant cafes and I saw some of her coffee going out off the bench, like in the bags. And I was like, do you sell much of that? She said, yeah, yeah, heat. And then the same thing at a local one around the corner from me down here and uh, at a roastery. And he said, yeah, we sell heat. So I went, all right, coffee's it because I love coffee as well. I drink way too much coffee. I've literally got a jug of coffee sitting on the table right here filter coffee and yeah so i was like right coffee's it and then again that was where i was like okay any business that i'm involved in and this came off the back of exposure to b1g1 you know 10 years ago any business that i'm involved in now must have some kind of social engagement or social impact so i set up sip for sip um as a way to learn e-commerce learn how to build a website it was all a learning thing for me as well i wanted to know how to build build a business uh, from the ground up. I didn't employ anyone to make it. I did it all myself. And yeah, and then signed up with B1G1. So anyone that's not aware of buy one, give one, uh, transaction-based giving platform to align your widget, whatever you sell with some kind of giving outcome, you can align it with effectively whatever you're selling. So if you're selling education, you can educate kids. So I'm selling coffee and we combine that with water solutions. So the way we set it up is that every time we sell a bag of coffee beans, we give a month's worth of water. So 30 days worth of water goes to one of the two projects that we're aligned with through B1G1. One's in Ethiopia and one's in Malawi, and they're both creating sustainable water solutions in villages that have no water. And we know through B1G1's vetting process, as you're aware, that 100% of what we give to these projects gets to the project and creates amazing outcomes for people that you know really shouldn't have to deal with with this in 2021. That's a nice segue. I saw an interview, uh, Mick, where you were asked, why water? And you said, because it's a bullshit problem to have in this day and age. <laughs> the, f- the fact that water yeah. is a natural product as is much a major issue around the world shows just how effed the balance is. Yeah. Can you share a bit more about that statement? Well, it is a bullshit problem to have, right? Like. We've got all these people pouring ice buckets over their heads in one country and then in another country there's, you know, however many thousand people dying every day because they don't have water. Like, you, you look at the debacle that just happened recently when a few oil tankers were held up in the Gulf from, was I think it was Iran, that when oil was all of a sudden something that we couldn't get our hands on properly, 
you know, there was, I think there was warships, you know, starting to come in. It was going to be a really big fight. And then this is over bloody oil. And then you've got a couple hundred million people in the world don't have access to sustainable water. And if we get that pissed off about oil, <laughs> how is it that we can't just create the same response to something that's actually life-saving? Um, and, I, you know, I think in 2021, if I can fly from anywhere from here, I've got Gulf Coast airports up the road, I can fly anywhere in the world in, within 24 hours. If we can do that, why can't we get water to people in the middle of Ethiopia that simply just needed to live? It's just, it's dumb. Like when you think about, like I think if anyone listening, if you if you actually say that to yourself or say that sentence, you know, why can't we get water to people that need it? And then you actually just kind of let that land. It almost sounds farcical that mm. that's an actual question we have to ask ourselves in 2021. In, in what I think. And then same as like, if you look at things like, you know, equal pay for women, it's for equality across the board. It's kind of, why are we still asking ourselves these questions? And that's what I love about the SDGs is because they're, they're kind of answering all those questions and going, right, let's, let's bloody do something about it. So Mick, why are, yeah. why, 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 are, why are we asking these questions in 2019? Yeah, why are we? I don't know, it's stupid. Thanks to our parents, my parents, I reckon. Not my parents actually. <laughs> The baby boomers, you, you stuffed it all up for everybody in the 80s because you got too excited with making money. You know, plus, uh, just the way that it, I guess human evolution has gone hand in hand with business evolution in the last 100 years is people all of a sudden saw how easy it was in the Western culture to make a shitload of money. And, you know, the way that the 80s and 90s went for so many people in, in, in the Western world. And I think the fact that capitalism just exploded and things like America and Coca-Cola and Pepsi and all these brands just went mental. We probably lost sight of what was important. Yeah, I think maybe just that self-fulfillment thing is that the last 100 or 200 years or even further back, I'm not sure, you might have to talk to someone that studies history better than I do, but it's, it's all been about what can I get? How do I get stuff? How do I get more stuff? You know, I look at it like this analogy of, if you watch the, the kind of the way that the average person will go in terms of how they're gearing themselves out of debt, and they'll go, right, I, if I make $400,000 a year, I'm going to get the biggest house I can for 400 grand a year and put myself under immense pressure. I won't just go and get a, a $280,000 house somewhere that I, with the two bedrooms that I need. I'm going to go buy this huge mansion and put myself under all this. It's like, how can I get more and more and more and more? And, if I get more resources, then I'm going to go and spend it on more shit to make myself feel better rather than what's more important in the world. And perhaps we're in a position now where we have no choice thanks to climate change and the fact that there are hundreds of millions of people that don't have water or there are women getting you know, completely shafted in the workplace or there are there's still modern slavery going on in the world. Like There's some massive issues, but I think we're in a precipice of change at the moment that in the next five years we're going to see some little shifts but yeah it's a bullshit question to have okay so i've been thinking about this for a while i want to invent this game called i call bs okay <laughs> i call bs, I call yeah. BS okay so you got, you're my first guest on this show Mick. okay so you think you've got a giant buzzer in front of you and you can go yeah. i call bs on so you've called yeah, bs yeah. on water what else are you calling bs on oh um I reckon the education system needs to change. I call bullshit on that. Like my, 
my kids are coming home with this like homework in kindergarten in year one. <laughs> like this, they're five and six years old coming home with this homework and I'm looking at it going, okay, I much prefer you go outside and play with the trees and, you know, be a kid and learn by doing rather than sitting here reading some. There was a, we were trying to do a reading, reading book with one of my kids the other day and it was about reeds, like reeds in the grass. <laughs> I was like, okay, this, you know, that I may not be saying it properly, but I think, hey, Richard Branson actually backed me up the other day on this. He was talking about how educating kids so they get an exam right at the end of the year is not functional. We need to look at how we can get our young people to actually learn properly and uh, and learn skills that are actually usable in life, whilst also understanding that, yes, the education system is needed for things where people do need to learn physics or trigonometry or whatever they need for their chosen career path. So I think the education system needs a huge shake-up. I definitely call bullshit on all this equality stuff that we're still talking about, whether it's with the LGBTI community, whether it's you know men versus women, whether it's you know racial challenges. I just can't believe that in 2019 we still have to deal with this shit. You know, and you just look at what's happening in the governments. What else do you call bullshit on? The All Blacks, just the bloody All Blacks. <laughs> what, what do you want to call BS on the All Blacks, bro? Oh, they just beat us all the time. <laughs> God, mate, you should try to be Irish for a day. <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys are all right. Oh, we're in a state of mourning in our country, yeah. Mick. Mick, thanks very much for, for, for being the first guest on I Call BS. I uh, <laughs> Mick, I've got to ask you to share now about uh, 17X. So can you just uh, share with our listeners a bit about 17X? And as I say, you, you, it was an idea, I think you started and took a punt on the, on the Gold Coast to run an event, yeah. and then all of a sudden you had a... A, an Australia-wide tour. Um, yeah, love to hear more yeah. about 17X. Yeah, so um, the whole premise came from me wanting to do more public speaking. Um, and I rang up a public speaking bureau and just said, hey, and this was a part of me just saying yes to things about going, okay, if I want to do more of what I'm doing, I need to get out and meet more people. And I hate the idea of networking. So what's another way? Okay, let's you know do some of that growth hacking stuff. So I started a podcast and I went, all right, let's go do some public speaking. So I ran out this bureau in Brisbane and said, hey, I've done all this public speaking, which I have, but it, it is all word of mouth through clients and friends of clients and whatnot. And, and um, you know, upwards of 200 people. And, and she said, look, have you got any video? I said, no, I haven't got any video. And she said, well, look, just because your friends and family say you can't speak doesn't mean you can speak. <laughs> I went, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much for that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see you later. And um, I thought, I don't have time for it. 50 more of those conversations. So I'll just start my own event and see what happens and just make my own bloody event. Can't be that hard. I was actually talking to Paul Dunn on the phone about something. So Paul Dunn's the chairman of Buy One Give One. I can't remember what we're talking about. We're talking about something else. I said, hey, I just had this idea of doing a speaking event with 17 speakers. They each get 17 minutes. We'll call it 17 and it's around the 17 SDGs or the Sustainable Development Goals uh, for anyone that doesn't know. And, you know, Paul in his way just goes, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah you got to do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, looks like I'm doing it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, a little bit of backing from someone that you look up to always helps. Yeah, so I went off and started looking at, all right, how can I create this, you know, and me again going way too far down the track from the get-go. Um, I had this idea of 17 was going to be a huge summit at the Gold Coast Convention Center. <laughs> Um, I was ringing around. I tried to ring the UN. I don't know if you know, but you can't actually ring the UN. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and you know started looking for some sponsors and uh tried to get the gold coast government on board and a few others and um very quickly realized that 17 speakers you know across a full day at the gold coast convention center with the with the expo on the side of it all around social enterprise uh, was going to be super expensive so i went all right let's just do an mvp version and just test it and see what happens so we yeah did the pilot and on the goldie in uh i think it was april at uh, the Gold Coast Hub, so thank you to the Gold Coast Hub Innovation Centre there. I was doing some hot desking there at the time in Rubina. Uh, they gave me the space for free, and yeah, we got I got four speakers in, just one that I knew personally, and then the other three was just a LinkedIn post. Hey, I'm doing an event. Who wants to speak? Everyone wants to speak. I got like 35 people off. You know, I think I had 42 people on my LinkedIn at the time, so nearly everyone said yes. Um, I, I think we got 20 people there. Charged them 19 bucks a pop, tickets for good, all the profits went to B1G1 projects. Um, and within two weeks, I had people saying, right, let's do this. You know, I think at the event, I had a lady saying, when are you coming to Brisbane? About a week or two later, I was interviewing a gentleman who everyone needs to connect with, and I think you have as well, uh, Darcy Lund from Teaspoons of Change yeah. on my podcast. And I told him about what I'd been up to, and he said, Oh, dude, you got to come to Adelaide. Let's go. And I went, oh, okay. Well, if I'm doing Brisbane and Adelaide, I might as well go around the country. Yeah, we did it. Darcy has uh, shared on this podcast before. You know, you, you take a leap of faith and the world has a way of catching you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so can you tell us some of the impact you've had through 17X in the last yeah. year? Yeah, great. So we did, um, we did five cities in five months. Each event was pretty much the same in terms of the structure. So myself and then four speakers, I don't really get involved in speaking. I just do a little blurb at the start to tell everyone what we're all about and what, where it's all come from. Um, and then really let them, the speakers shine. Again, this is, this is really where I went, all right, I'm going to set this up so it's not about me. And that's what our speakers are there to do is really let them be the, the power and the, and the, and the inspiration. And we have a panel at the end of it so that, you know, four, four speakers, 17 minutes each, and then a panel at the end with some Q&A from the audience. So there's some Q&A dialogue. Five cities, five months. So we did uh, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne. Uh, each city had a host partner. So we connected with some brands in each city and their job was to really help us open the doors and, and say, say hi to the community. Um, and we had some terrific host partners, uh, Darcy and, and uh, Teaspoons of Change in, um, uh, in Adelaide. Um, we had uh, the Bambuda Group uh, and Anna Shepherd in Sydney, who was just absolutely amazing. Um, Harvey Penney, which you guys may know from Inspire Accounting, was, uh, was our partner up in, uh, in Brisbane. And I actually ran the, the Melbourne one, not so much without a host partner, but we did have... Um, uh, Darren Sutton and the Common Purpose Collective helping us out down there. He did a great job. So we made some fantastic connections and some fantastic speakers, you know. Um, so that's 20 speakers all up that we had to coordinate and get on stage, which was a bit of fun. A bit over $4,000 raised for charities. So each event was aligned with a local charity that the host partner got to choose. And then I also have my own connection to buy and give one. So um, each of our tickets for good, we're doing things like educating kids in Nepal, giving water to school in Zambia, helping um, young girls get out of sex trafficking in Cambodia. That was my contribution through the tickets for good with B1G1. Um, but then we also were raising money for some great charities around the country that were aligned with our host partners. Uh, we had just over 400 people come through the events as far as 
I guess, ticket holders, you'd, you'd say. And a huge amount of sponsors and national support uh, from, from great brands like Global Citizen, Start Some Good, uh, Buy One, Give One, uh, the Banksia Foundation helped us out uh, to a great deal. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess it was a, a huge success. That's amazing. Mick, mm. um, you know, that was an idea. Um, yeah. Such a big challenge. As you look back on that now, what are you most proud of this year and what you've done with 70NX? Um, I think I think the conversations that, that we, we managed to create. So um, I read a, a bit of a blog the other day around, you know, what were the five things I learned from running five events in five cities in five months with no funding <laughs> and, you know, just to see what happens attitude. Um, and one of the things that I learned throughout that experience was that, the, the goal was certainly on the event, on stage with our speakers. You know, our speakers were all terrific in their space and experts in their field. And, and they were all social enterprises, so they weren't charities and they were showing us how they are creating impact and profit at the same time. And, you know, it is possible. So they were the, really the shining beacons that we could follow. Um, but the, the true power came in the conversations after the fact um, and, you know, after each event, we had, you know, a few drinks and nibbles to kind of network with the crowd and the conversations that came out of that and the, the immediate collaborations, there were, there weren't just business card swappings. There was, okay, let's work together on this. There were people connecting that hadn't met each other before, um, that were creating, you know, immediate action that they were going to go and do stuff together. Uh, and there was one of the questions I was getting asked a lot and I'm still working on now for next year is, we create all this inspiration in a room. How do we make sure that it gets carried on from there and that people don't just go back to work the next day? But you could really see that happening organically. And I think that's that's the biggest win for me is, is seeing what it creates. Because the intention was, we had three pillars to the, I guess the vision of, of the, the whole thing is to engage, educate and impact. So to engage people, sorry, to educate people in the SDGs and what they are, and then to engage them with them to actually do something and the impact side is to create impact with the actual events like with the charity and the fact that we were actually able to engage people was really humbling um, and that these conversations that we were, I was able to listen to and be a part of were really I guess kind of surprised me that that there was this level it wasn't just oh who are you and where you're from kind of thing it was did you hear what you know Afra Abdeen had to say at the Sydney one we need to do this together. I'm looking for someone that X, Y, Z, and then away they went. So, yeah, that's pretty. The cool. after effect was really cool. Uh, why do you think that action was taken? You know, straight away, the conversations. It wasn't just oh, swapping business cards. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I I'm learning that a shared purpose is extremely powerful. But you put a bunch of people in a room that you are talking about something that's bigger than them. The the eye becomes a we really fast. And when it, when it becomes a we, and you, you know, this, this works in workplaces as well. You talk about cultural development inside the workplace. You get teams of people in a workplace looking at how they can create an outcome together rather than what am I just working on and what is our shared purpose. Collaboration just happens. It's, it's, it's almost like lighting a fuse. There's no ifs or buts. It's going to turn up in some way, shape or form. Um, so this idea of, of getting people to think about stuff bigger than themselves, it's really like an eye-opener. And yes, as our first tour, we definitely had the converted in the room. You know, 
our early adopters and innovators, I guess, as a first time event, we definitely got people that were already open to this type of stuff. However, this, this idea of we and what can we achieve and it's up to us and it's not about me is a really big thing. That's pretty cool. Mick, thanks, thanks for sharing that. And I wish you the very best of luck. As someone who's attended the Sydney event, it was, it was awesome. And uh, look forward to see what you create in 2020 and beyond. Uh, yeah, just going to change gears very quickly, Mick. I'm a bit, this, uh, bit of a clunk and a bit morbid here. Now I'm going to bring it forward to your deathbed. You're watching, yeah. your, you're watching your life's highlight trail. What's on a highlight trail, Mick? Ooh, uh, definitely surfing Lance's left again. I can tell you that. What's on the highlights reel? Uh, I'd say a continuation. I think really being able to see uh, a collective conversation that I've been able to be a part of right through the rest of my career. I made a decision maybe five years ago that anything that I'm involved with must have some kind of social or, or sustainable impact or driven purpose that's bigger than itself. I uh, really hope that I can stay true to that for the rest of my life. Um, I'm a dad, so I've got two small boys. So ideally, you know, as any parent, you want to see your kids flourish. And I hope that they flourish in the way that's right for them, um, whatever that looks like. So, and that I've been able to give them the freedom to be able to do that. Ideally, whatever happens after 2030 with these these huge agendas that that um, I've been able to play at least a small part in in creating a bit more awareness about doing things a little bit differently. Thank you very much. Uh, Mick, final question. Is there any question I should have asked you today? No, I think you did pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I answered them all really well. It's uh, what, did, what didn't you ask me today? I think you nailed it all, mate. That's, that's pretty much my <laughs> whole story. I have two sons and I'm married. That's, that's the main thing. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, maybe what you didn't ask me if I could give a bit of a, uh, can I do a, a shameless promotion? Yeah, go, like, go for a shameless, go, shameless promotion. I think, I think what one thing that I just would love to create is that next year we are taking 2020 to 13 cities. So 17X will tour all capital cities in Australia next year, as well as Auckland. Um, and we're creating with some terrific partnerships uh, to make that happen. But one of the things that um, I do want to do next year that I do need some, I guess, some help and also some some uh, partnerships on is to do one with youth. Um, so we'll be taking 17X into the youth forum for Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, just again, just to test it and see what happens. Um, and really engage the young entrepreneurs out there that are 14 to 24 uh, that are using their entrepreneurial mindsets to go and create a business full of purpose and power. Um, and I don't really know where to find those young okay. legends. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, what's, what's your answer? Connect with me. If you know someone that's young, that's creating amazing changes in the world through a, a business model or, or groups, you know, like the young entrepreneurs summit. Um, yeah, I want to find the guys that are a little bit behind the scenes that are doing things that, that aren't very loud at the moment. Awesome. And the guys and girls that are doing that. So um, that's 2020 for us is uh, getting the getting the young guys involved. Well, we share. We share that to our everyone guys, girls. So I mean, guys and girls. <laughs> we'll definitely share that to our community, Mick. Mick, thank you very much for being a guest on today's uh, Cred. I am still learning podcast. 
really enjoyed the conversation mate thank you for sharing so openly around uh, your own journey and some of the challenges and mate it was so inspiring and i'd love to have you back on again for a further conversation oh mate thanks so much for having me on board and um you know i love love the idea of um yeah being open and it's it's something that i've learned to try and be better at uh in recent times and the living slogan is that ain't weak to speak and i'd encourage anyone out there that maybe feeling a bit wobbly or um or that they, the stigma is keeping things a bit quiet and it's hard to talk that find someone that you feel close to or you know reach out to your doctor and, and have a conversation so there are amazing resources in this country and if, if me being open about my story can can help other people do the same and go and check out living they've got all sorts of resources that can can uh, help people do the same thing so and thanks for giving me the platform to do that appreciate it thank you mick and as you know global goal 17 partnership for the goals and you know, we're all working towards uh a common goal and a shared purpose and values so let's keep the conversation yeah, going for sure i love the fact that mick said he is still learning and he tries to learn by doing that makes me happy from a cred marketing perspective and our messaging is definitely getting through mick also talked about how he went against his own natural tendency and style of being data driven to start something when he didn't know the outcome he said instead of thinking why it won't work start thinking about why it will work. I also love when Mick described how he sees things differently to other people and having the self-belief to pursue the idea. It was great having Mick as my first guest on my new game show, I Call BS. I'm going to run with that one. <laughs>